This is an online income story you do not want to miss. Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Kyle. Kyle is a Buying Online Business community graduate, and Kyle's an experimental psychologist as well, turned business owner investor. He lost his job during the pandemic in 2020 and changed his life through his first business acquisition uh, from joining Bob and then scaling that and going on to become the founder and CEO of a larger organization. Now, in this podcast episode, Kyle and I talk about the website he bought and the flip that he did. We talk about how he lost his job and how he was sort of not forced but pushed into uh, earning an income online a lot quicker than what he had expected. We also talk about what type of business he bought, how much he bought it for, what was the multiple and what was it making per month. Then we move on to talking about what we did to grow it how we grew it by creating a system and a process that we hired somebody else to run without doing too much work himself. We also then talked about how much he sold the business for, what he learned from selling the business, some insights that he shared with people that are buying their first business and selling their first business. Then we talk about what he made from the flip and what he made from holding it for 18 months, which is ends up to being well over 150 grand all up. So quite a substantial flip and quite a successful flip, I would say. What he learned during the process as well is is some of the things that he shares in this podcast episode, some amazing insights to people thinking about, you know, leaving their job and wanting to buy a business, people thinking about buying a business, people doing due diligence, and people that have capital invested in other investments that may not actually be suitable to where they're at in their lifestyle. So there's so much within this podcast episode. It's definitely a story that you don't want to miss if you want to earn an income online. Now, because we do talk about buying a site and doing due diligence, I have to have a disclaimer here. Please note you should know how to do your due diligence. If you don't know or you want some help, get my due diligence framework. You can go to buyingonlinebusiness.com for slash free resources and get my due diligence framework that I use, Kyle used, and so many other people have used to buy an online business. It takes the guesswork out of the whole experience and you can get that from the link in the show notes. Do you want to build or grow your content website? Niche website builders have helped hundreds of people to take their content websites from a few hundred dollars per month to over tens of thousands of dollars per month with crafted content creation, buying age domains, and link building strategies. These strategies have helped people increase their traffic, authority, monthly earnings, and their website valuation too. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash B-O-B forward slash to get 10% off any link building or 10% more from their content creation services. That's nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob forward slash. I'll put a link in the description too. Kyle, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Uh, so first time we heard from you was probably about nine months ago, maybe 10 months ago when you came on and discussed the the purchase of your site, maybe even longer. Probably. Maybe, it's been a little while. Maybe 12 months ago, time of publishing. So now you've got some exciting news and I want to break it down of, of what's happened. You've bought, you bought your first online business and you've sold your first online business for a profit, flipped it, let's dive in. How does it feel to, to go through that process? It feels good. Yeah, it was, um, it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> so people are, uh, now that I've mentioned this, people are dying to know, you know, what, 
type of business did you buy? How much did you buy it for? And and when did you buy it? Yeah, so it, it was a membership business. Um, I bought it in 2020, around July, I forget the exact date, July, July, August, around that time. The multiples were lower then than they are now. So I don't remember, I think it, w- it was like a 20, 26 multiple or something I bought it for, which ended up being just over six figures. Yeah, just a little bit over six figures. Okay, so it was just over like six figures. All right. Um, are we talking, are we able to talk numbers? Like we're talking like 115 or are we talking? In that in, in that area. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. around there. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Um, the reason I'm asking is because I'm just, I'm just curious about how, you know, what the profit was. I'll ask, you know, eventually I'm going to find out what the profit was in terms of how much you grew the business by and what you right. sold it for. And then also what we can't kind of made in the middle from holding the business. So if right. it was 26 multiple and it was doing, let's just say 115 divided by 26, very low multiple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, at the time, I mean that that wasn't that was reasonable at the time. Yeah, so roughly around the four thousand dollar range ish. It was actually a little bit less okay. than that, I think. But yeah, roughly, it was I think three three something. Three something. Okay, cool. How long did you hold the business for? I mean, you so you came and joined the community, the Bob community, and then you you bought the business, and then. Was it like maybe a couple of months after you owned the business, you said, "Hey, Jared, can we can we do some work in growing this together, one on one type stuff?" Right? What was the time frame there? Was it a couple of months, or was it less? Or I think so. I think I just when you buy a business, you know, you have revenue, um, and then you'd like, you'd like to grow it, but because you have revenue, you can you can spend it on mm-hmm. things. And I thought um, joining the uh, the inner circle group would be a good good way to spend some of that yeah cool income. So I could learn how to grow it. Yeah, and. I've talked about some of the stuff that we did uh, and actually have used uh, some of the work that we did in terms of automation and finding out how to grow your business without trying to do external strategies that other people are doing that have worked for them that may not have actually worked for this business. They could have, but we found a a smarter and, and better way that took less time. And I've talked about that. Uh, without using your name and figures and all that sort of stuff, but just some of the principles and the strategies that we've used. And it's been hugely beneficial for other business owners um, from where I've mentioned it in other publications. And I guess let's dive a bit into that now. Like what, you know, what was the, I remember when you came to, you had some growth strategies that you wanted to implement and work on um, with your, with the business. Do you remember those and what were they and and what did I say? (laughs) I, I don't remember. I'm sure I had a lot of ideas yeah. that, uh, yeah. Uh, but the specific, so when I bought it, the owner gave me a strategy. He said, I used this strategy and it worked. Mm. Um, and then I told that to you and you said, okay, well, let's just, let's just do that strategy. And um, basically instead of, you, you know, doing paid advertising or, you know, a lot of social media or any of that kind of thing, it, it was basically just reaching out to other influencers, people who already have an audience, and then seeing if they would be interested in promoting the product, and that, that that was it. That was the entire strategy. Yeah, it's so it's so simple. I remember one of the strategy you had was let's um, create a blog and put some content out there and get some search engine traffic. Right. And I was right. like, "Yep, we could we could do that." And I think that's something we can work towards. I think it will work. Uh, but if like, let's work our way up to that first. Let's work out what 
you know, how has the business already earned its money? How do they get their subscribers? And I think, yeah, that you found that out from the from the seller. If anybody in business is thinking about like, how do I grow my business? That's the magic trick, really, is like work out what the how has the business made its money so far? How has it acquired its traffic and, and got its sales and customers and uh, make that process better? <laughs> right. So you were, you were a bit time time poor uh having a young family you had some time restrictions that you you only wanted to spend a few hours on the business what was it was it five hours a week or 10 hours a week it gradually got i think it started at 10 maybe even 15 hours and then it gradually it shrunk as time went on to maybe about six hours a week which i'm i'm very very proud of you for doing because it can happen the opposite way for a lot of people. Oh, I'm making good money. Let's let's pour some more time into it, and that can you know you can drop the ball in other areas like family and and, and things that you love to do. So I'm really I'm really stoked with what we did there. <clears throat> so we had to get past some of the stuff of the operations that you were doing in the business uh, in terms of content creation and things that you didn't want to hand off to somebody because you wanted to keep that quality um, for the delivery of people uh, that were members in this business, which I think it was great that you kept that. But it took us a bit, a while to hash out the, the strategy that we were going to use to acquire more customers. Tell me about that process and how, you know, what did you learn from that? Yeah, I think, um, well, first, when people buy a business, I think the first thing, especially one that's based around content, which mine was, it's a membership business, but People, the membership was you get some content once a month. Um, and I think people, the first thing they want to do is um, farm out the content, which is a strategy and, and that's fine. And I, I, I looked at that a little bit. I just didn't feel comfortable that the quality, because of the way the business was set up, quality of the content was really important. It's not like you just had one, you could have one blog post that wasn't great, but it still you know got you traffic or something. If the if all of the content, what, I mean, everything was about the people were paying to receive this content. So it had to be really good. So I felt most comfortable. The I did some training with the previous owner, and I felt most comfortable creating the content myself. So I, and then so what we did instead was well to grow the business, we're going to need to hire out some other things, um, like you know reaching out to people who could promote it, doing customer service emails, you know all that kind of stuff. And that's and you helped me figure out how to how to do that. You and Charlie actually, Charlie gave some really good advice on that. Yeah, as well. Charlie's really good at. Um that team building, isn't he? So yeah, uh, basically what we did is is we created a process and a system for somebody to follow and then we hired them and got them to run that system. And we sort of had that system. Usually what I like to do is have a process and a system producing a result before we hire somebody. So then we can just get them to follow it uh, and, and produce the same results. And then as time goes by, we can tweak it and make it better. And that's what we did, right? Was we found that, all right, let's hire this person. And uh, she ran the system and started getting results. And I remember distinctly right. that we're like, well, this is, this is working quite well. Uh, I asked you the question, how many hours is she doing? <laughs> and you told me, and I think it might have been about five. And I said, cool, all right, if she's doing five hours and she's getting this result and we want to double it, how many hours do we need to put in? And the answer was 10. Uh, I think that was rough, rough numbers, rough figures vaguely from my head. And how did that work? Did that did that double the results? Did it make it, was it less than double? Like what was the, res can you remember that, how that process happened? Yeah, so the way it worked, um, 
I, I hired her through an agency, so it was um, her time was fixed. But it was just in terms of what I had her focus on in that amount of in her fixed time. And so we decided, you know, it was if if her job, if the way that she's helping grow the business is by reaching out to new people, then that should take up the majority of her time instead of, you know, creating Facebook posts or something or whatever else I could have had her working on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we just set limits on, OK, you should reach out to this many people per week. And then it was, OK, if you double the amount of people that you reach out to. In theory, if you have the same response rate, um, you should get twice as many people. Of course, there's kind of a ceiling there when 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 your strategy is reaching out because, of course, I'm always surprised at how many how many influencers there are in any given space, how many people who have YouTube channels and blogs or d- even just Facebook groups, mm. um, how much reach there. Is. You can any niche. There's so many people um, that have a lot of reach. So that that was something I learned, but. But to your point, yeah, just asking her to reach out to more people, it did help grow the business more. So yeah, it's yeah. it's basically the you're right, there is a there is a ceiling, there is a you get to a point where doubling it doesn't get the exact same results. Uh, but in theory, if you are doing if your inputs are minimal and you're getting these x results and then you want to increase it then you just increase the inputs uh, which we did right. and it, you know this is something that i learned myself through my businesses with ads uh you know if these ads are producing this result and i'm putting x amount of money in let's put more money in and i should get you know um more results but when you do get to that point of uh the more money that you put in doesn't always equal more results so that's something for people to be right. conscious of and aware of and uh, we didn't really, I don't think we maxed that out too much, which is a good thing. And did we or not? And like I said, her, no, her, her hours were yeah. fixed. So it was a fixed cost for me. It's just, what are you, what are you spending your time on? So it wasn't like I was putting extra money into yeah. having her do that. Yeah. Which is really good uh, for the saleability of a business as well. When you are selling your business and it's growing and you have somebody running she was basically running your business really and you can hand that off to somebody you know it's, it's a very attractive for a new buyer so you sold at a really good time uh, a lot of people in the inner circle were saying like when you told us were saying hang on Kyle what are you doing you're bananas you can't, can't sell your business right now but it is a good time to sell your business when it is growing and it was a good time for you personally to sell it uh, so mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, how many hours were you spending on the business per week or per month prior to selling it? About six. I was pretty strict on that because I, and you know this, I started another business, which was starting to take up more of my time and my family grew. So that was taking up more of my time also. Um, but yeah, it was, it was six. I was pretty strict six hours per week because I can only spend a couple hours three times a week. Yeah. And you're getting good return on your, on your other business as well. And it's worth spending that time on that other business. Cool. Cool. Well, you, so so you bought this mid 2020. When did you sell it? When was the the sale date, I guess? Um, Well, it's officially, I mean, it was just, it's been a little while. The sale process has actually been a little bit prolonged for um, reasons we could go into if you're interested. It has to do with the payment processor I was using and um, the buyer being in a different country uh, and complications about transferring payment. It's I don't know how interesting that is to your audience, but that's the real. Those are real things that happen. Um, so the actual purchase 
date. It's been about a month since it sold, but I still, we just, the other, last week did a final agreement because um, what the buyer ended up having to do was rebuild a lot of the systems and they were willing to do that. Um, it's just that the uh, payout structure now is, it's not all up front. We're going to have a, um, there'll, there'll be most of, the, most of it up front. And then in a few months, there'll be another payment. And then in a few months, there'll be another payment. Yeah. Okay. So just the, just this last week, we finalized all, all, everything. Yeah, good, good work on getting ago. through that. It sounds like a massive teething problem, to be honest, um, changing a payment processor as a new owner. It sounds like they have some experience in the space or are able to hire people and, and use developers, which is, which is quite good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited because so I, when I came on and bought the business, I, I actually knew something about the niche because um, I, I dabbled in it myself, um, but I'm not, I, I was a first time business owner. You know, I, I didn't know anything about running a business. You know, I had you guys to help me out. The, the, the buyer, that the person I'm selling it to um, is a multiple business owner, has a lot of experience in this niche. So they have a team that can do all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'm actually excited because I know that they can take it and do all the things I wasn't able to do. And I'm still getting a good price for that. So Awesome. So it's a massive win all around for everyone really, isn't it? Uh, that's great. Right. That's really good. So you sold it about a month ago. So time of recording, that's let's say end of January, I guess, early yeah. Feb 2022. So you owned it for about a year and a half. Correct. Okay, cool. And so how much do you, how much was it making per month when you sold it roughly? Net, it was uh, just like 5,800, like just shy of 6,000. Okay. Yeah. So just shy of 6,000. Okay. Uh, so 5,800-ish and it was still growing. So obviously it could have been, you know, if you had a few more months on the board, you would have had a... Uh, you know, a higher average monthly net profit to base your multiple off. Cool. Okay, so 58-ish. And what was the multiple and how much did you sell it for if you're open to sharing? Yeah, sure. The the, the multiple, um, I think it ended up being, we, there was some back and forth. Um, when when we had discussed, there was a multiple and we did research. And then um, anyways, it, it, it ended up being like around 36, I think, the multiple. Okay. Cool. So you went from a 26 to a 36 multiple in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's just, that's not me. That's just that's the, the industry. That's industry. Yeah. One thing I did learn, uh, which, which is very important um, for people who are selling is when you're doing research on how to price your business and you're looking, say, on Empire Flippers, um, the businesses that are listed there are the ones that haven't sold. <laughs> so that might not be the best um, representation of how much to price your business if you want to sell it. Um, this was a, a lot of back and forth I had with my broker and they were very polite in explaining to me, yes, the ones that sell are <laughs> were, had lower multiples um, and we have that data. Which is, so, all, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Because when you said to me, hey, Jared, I want to sell the business, or you said to us in the group and we're like, what are you doing? You can't sell the business. It's growing. You're going to make so much more money. And then you're like, no, this, you know, you had your reasons you want to sell it. Very good reasons. And uh, I'm glad that you sold it. When it came to selling, I was, we were looking at, we went on to a bunch of different brokers and had a look at the, the prices and the multiples. And I'm like, this is what you could, you could get based on these multiples. Uh, but 
yeah, quickly we discovered that the it's a lower multiple and a lower price and they're the business that sell a lot quicker. So, I mean, 36, a multiple of 36 for a membership business is really, really, really good for somebody who purchased it, uh, especially with right. the retention that you have on your business and the, right. you know, the scalability of it. <laughs> the system that we built um, that you can hand over to them, it's just... Uh, excellent. If we go fifty-eight ish hundred times thirty-six, it's around two hundred and ten grand that you sold it for. It, it was it was less it was less than that, but yeah, in in, in the ballpark. Okay. Cool. All right. So that means if we bought it for say a hundred and fifteen ish and sold for about two hundred ish, um, you know, it's about hundred grand flip in a year and a half. Right. Right. I think the, I don't know the actual numbers, but I think the actual difference is like 70. 70. Okay. 70 grand. Cool. We'll we'll go with that. In the flip. That's just in the flip, let alone the income that you made. That doesn't include. During that year and a half, going from the low, like high three grand per month range up to the just under six grand per month range. Um, So it's close to, it was close to doubling the business in a year and a half with right. close to doubling the business in a year and a half with roughly six hours of work per week. You've got to be happy with that. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, the 12-month, I think the 12-month, um, you know, like we said, it was five-something. Five so multiply that by a year and a half plus the, the profit on the sale price, and that's um, that adds up to quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, <laughs> so five, five, like just say roughly 5,000 times 18 sure. months um right yeah so 90 plus your 70 it's about 160 160 which is gonna go yeah. nicely for your next ventures <laughs> yeah yeah great congrats congrats so what was the highlights and what was the what did you learn from it in the sale of the business and then i'll, I'll ask some more questions i won't load you up right now <laughs> yeah something in, I learned, so I mentioned I've been having this issue with the payment processor um, just a little bit. It's the payment processing on the site is run through a third-party payment processing system. It's not like um, connected to the site with, with Stripe or something, um, which didn't seem like an issue. It's a, it's a well-known payment processor, but it's just not set up for sale. It, it, it gets tied to you. Pers- so for example, I started receiving payments. Sorry, there's a squirrel in my window looking at me. I started receiving payments um, through, through my PayPal account, and that was good. I started getting people to sign up with PayPal who wouldn't have signed up with a credit card, maybe necessarily. But then when I went to sell the business, oh, we can't transfer the PayPal account, and we can't actually can't you know we can't. So there's these issues with payment processing. Um, so I guess what I learned from that is when you're setting when you're setting up your business, or when you're in your case when you're buying a business, I didn't have this issue when I bought it because the seller was based in the U.S. Yeah. When I sold it, the seller is based out of the U.S., and that's why I had this problem. So pay attention to that kind of thing. It, it's you don't know what you don't know, so it can be hard to pay attention to that. But um, I, it's not something that even occurred to me until. And actually, it didn't come out um, when they were doing the the due diligence from Empire Flippers either. It didn't come out until someone <laughs> until we tried to do the transfer and it didn't work. Yeah, so. I mean, the payment process that you used is it's common. But there's not that many people that are buying and selling businesses using that payment exactly. processor. So 
for us in the industry, even Empire Flippers, it's not something that we're like, oh, we're very aware of this because it's a regular case. <laughs> That's really good to note. And sometimes these, you know, that that happens without anybody in the industry knowing. Uh, but the good thing is that you got around it. Um, just sounds like it took a little bit longer and it's going to take a little bit longer for you to receive the full funds for the business. Right, which is which is fine for me. Yeah, I'm just happy it got sorted because it could have been the kind of, it could have been a deal killer. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I could see a buyer just, okay, I don't want to deal with this and moving on. Well, that's right. If it had been a different buyer that hadn't had the team and hadn't had the experience of running up multiple online businesses, it could it could be a deal killer where you would might have to go back to the drawing board list it again and then and then make sure you sell it to a u.s buyer (laughs) (laughs) right uh that teething issue so well it's more than just a teething issue really isn't it what else what else did you learn along the process from purchasing to owning and selling that you think is important for first-time buyers or first-time online business owners yeah so that last bit maybe um wasn't for first-time people but i i guess it is um what else did I learn? I think d- diligence. I I, um, I did due diligence on a lot of businesses before I bought this one, um, and a lot they all. I just wasn't fast enough, and I'm sure it's even harder now than it was then. Yeah. Um, but you know, something this happens too. And if you're buying a house, it's the same thing. I know a lot of people who are trying to buy a house right now, and it's people get stuck on this is the one for me, the business, the house, whatever it is, and then you lose it. Or you start to make bad decisions because you're afraid you're going to lose it. Like, um, you know, make up your mind ahead of time what you're willing to spend, you know, what your conditions are and stick to those conditions. And if this one doesn't work for you, another one will. You know, there's it's an endless supply. It keeps coming. Things keep coming. So don't get hung up on any one thing, on any one business. Um, that, that would, that's something that I learned. Just keep chugging away. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned the taking the emotions out of, of buying a business and the processes of it because, you know, I, I'm glad that you said it because I say it very often, hey, do a lot of due diligence on businesses. If you miss out on one, there's going to be another one coming. Um, that can be very, very hard to hear and it can be even harder to hear once you've just missed out on a really good business. Uh, I had a, uh, a case this week where right. I started doing due diligence on somebody, a member from the um, community. They sent me their due diligence and within a couple of minutes, I could see that the business was a great investment. And this is without me seeing how much the business was or how much the uh, or the average monthly net revenue was or net profit. And then after going through the whole due diligence, I realized, oh, wow, okay, this thing's going to go fast. There's a few things that you need to check during your due diligence and, and, and make an offer really quick. By the time he was able to go away and you know double check some of these things, the business was pending sold. Uh, he took it very, very well and said, look, all right, yeah. next one. But the good thing about that is when you see one that you're really – you're really close to getting because you know it's a good business is the best thing about that when you lose it the positive side of it or i shouldn't say you didn't you lose it because you didn't really have it but the positive side of you not getting that business is that you can now see you have an image and a visualization and a bar of the type of business that you should be going for and you know when you find it to to be swift with your due diligence to purchase it i'm very glad that you mentioned that so how many businesses do you think you did due diligence on, Carl? I think maybe like 12. It was in the double digits. 
which I guess is nothing. I'm sure you've done hundreds and hundreds, but it's a lot when you do them all, you know, in a couple months period. It's a lot when you are new to this. <laughs> when you've never done right. due diligence before, the first time you do due diligence, it's like, oh, wow, this can take me a full day, maybe even two full days, maybe even longer for some people, um, depending on what's going right. on in their life. And, you know, uh, to hear people come on and say, hey, I bought a business within, you know, a couple of months, people think, wow, how did they do that? Uh, it wasn't luck. Is Within that three months, they looked at and did due diligence on 20, 30 businesses in that short period of time. Right. Um, it's just they crammed the work into a shorter period of time than what most people would do in a year. The other thing too, related to that about it taking a long time, um, just so the business that I bought, it actually sat on the marketplace for a while. And there were some things about the listing that I think maybe people it, people would look at the listing and think, oh, I'm not interested in this. But look at the numbers, you know, I, if, if it looks, and I think that benefited me because I, I went in and I crunched the numbers and I'm like, why are, why is nobody paying attention to this business? It's the numbers are great. But I think some things about maybe just the, the way the listing was written, just, um, you know, the text of the listing, maybe some people didn't like yeah. for some reason. Um, don't let that fool you. Look at the numbers. Yeah. Well, that's right. There's, and some people get fooled the opposite way as well is the listing looks really good based on the text that's out there. I mean, I know that right. there's some places, um, brokers that list businesses and say there's some opportunities within the business that I see is like, that's a terrible opportunity. Like that's a terrible <laughs> growth strategy to implement into the business if you're going to buy this. And you could really cause some, some pain for that business owner. People can buy a business and get caught out and go, oh, all I need to do is put, do this thing that the broker mentioned. And it's, it's just not, it's not necessarily true. They're there to sell you a business. Sometimes they do it really well. Sometimes they don't do it so well. And that's just because they're an organization and, you know, they're a, an entity. And like myself and yourself, Kyle, we're entities and humans. And sometimes we make mistakes. It's just, it's just the way it rolls, right. you know? Yeah, I, I think you your point there of just seeing the business for what it really is, is so good because there's a lot of businesses out there. Like you said, not, not many people wanted this one, but you picked it up at a great price. <laughs> we're able to build a team to do the work and built it without you having to slave over it, really. The, the other thing too is I, I was able to see some of the content of the business before I bought it and the content was really good. So the numbers were good. I thought the content was was fantastic. Um, so it just it checked out. That's that's something when I was looking. Sometimes even if the if if it was a content site or something, and you look in the content, it just isn't good. Even if it seems like it it's doing well, so that that was a red flag for me also when I was doing research. Yeah, of course, that might be a personal thing for me. No, I think it's a good thing for all businesses to understand like if the content on the site and within the membership is not valuable then you're you're buying something that's gonna depreciate <laughs> yeah it's like eventually that'll catch up to you maybe google algorithms haven't gotten there yet but eventually if the content's not good and you're reading it and you know that it's not good other you know other people are going to figure that yeah, out so. yeah exactly and that's why good content audits is critical so congratulations kyle where to from here for you what's uh What's next on the agenda in terms of business? Yeah, so I started a business. This is a SaaS business um, in the industry that I came from. So I was I became an online business owner on account of the pandemic. I lost my job, like I'm sure a lot of people did. 
and um, just went into the online business. But then while I was running it, some people I used to work with reached out and there was an idea for a SaaS company we had talked about. And then we decided just just to do it. And it's running now. It took us about a year to get put it all together, which was fine. It didn't cost us very much money. I think I only put in, you know, maybe $10,000 total to, to, you know, start up a business, a SaaS business. That's, that's pretty good. And um, we have about five paying customers now. Um, awesome. And we're on, yeah, we're on track to get a lot more. And the subscription price for this business, it's it's a it's also a membership business, so it's a SaaS membership. So they pay monthly to get access to software that we make available online. Um, it's a much higher price than the subscription price for the previous business. So five customers goes a long way compared to you know however many I had with the other business. Yeah, it's funny. Um when when you say oh we got five we got five paying members and i say awesome people are probably thinking hang on if it's five times you know a couple of hundred dollars or fifty dollars it's not that's not particularly awesome but the price point in which your software is very specialized for this niche which is you didn't just start a business you solved a problem with this and uh you already had a big network of clients that not network of clients, but a network of potential clients because of not just your network in the industry, but uh, the other the other partners within the business, right? Right. So it's it's um it's software for company for factories that make denim that make jeans, um, and it's for these machines. There, I, I can talk about it. It's not a secret. This this yeah. business, um, they're lasers. So when you when you buy jeans from a store, um, oftentimes they're pre distressed, like they've been worn in before. And nowadays, people do that with lasers, um, carbon dioxide lasers. So those the, the machines that do that are half a million dollars. So we made some software that makes making designs for that sh- those machines really easy. And so, but if you're buying software for a piece of machinery that you just spent half a million dollars on, you know, you can charge a little bit more for that software <laughs> <laughs> than than you know an, an info guide for your a- average Joe who wants to make money yeah. online. So it's a little bit different, yeah. Well, as I mean, you don't you think about somebody that's in the on make money online space. Me, so much competition uh, versus you know right. how much competition do you have? None at the moment. <laughs> right, so far, yeah, Which we'll see. Really good. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was yeah. you know excited to work with you on this business and and some of the things that we we were able to implement and change and um, it's looking very good and very promising. So I I look forward to hearing more about it in a year from now um, and hopefully some of these these cool strategies come into fruition and those higher, you know, uh, white labeling, uh, sorry, not uh, wholesaling some of the software would be, would be really beneficial, I think. Right. And actually it's funny you say that. And, um, and I don't think I, there's no reason I can't talk about this, but that is becoming a strategy for us. It's basically wholesaling licenses in bulk to salesmen who will then take them and sell them to individual factories across the world. And that's, that's great for us. Yeah. I don't have to explain that to you. It's, it's means, Less work. I mean, really. And when you think about it, similar to your um, business that we were just talking about that you, you bought and sold, flipped, you are basically hiring people to be salespeople, but you're not actually paying them to be salespeople. You're paying them per sale. And this is what these salespeople will do for this business as well based on yeah. commission. So it's pretty it's pretty exciting. It's not just B to C. It's uh I'm I'm excited for, I'm really excited for this business to, to hear more about it in a year. Yeah, I'm excited too. Oh you know what I, I can come on and talk to you about it, Jerry. Yeah, cool. Let's in, do it. Let's do it. Um <laughs> so let's I'll have a laser I'll have a laser yeah, in the background. You can see how, how it works. Totally <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. So 
out of, you know, just thinking about being in business, you know, what you've learned, what you could possibly share with people from, you know, being in the, uh, you know, career space, uh, having a job up until the pandemic, losing that job and sort of being forced into being a business owner for beginners who are thinking, all right, I want to lose, I want to not lose my job, but I want to replace my income. I want to leave my job and, and, and start to put on my business hat. Uh, what would be one or two or maybe a few of the things that you learnt that are highly beneficial principles or strategies or philosophies to carry as a business owner for beginners? Um, well, the first thing, so the way that it happened for me is that I, so the, that I lost my job was, was not the ideal way to jump in, but it, it forced me to jump in. And the other benefit is that it gave me some capital because I got a severance and I had some um, stock that I was able to cash in, mm. which gave me the capital that I needed to buy a business. But I would not recommend that you quit your job um, before because I spent six hours a week to run the business that I bought. Um, and especially if you don't, you know, I, I have small children now, so that takes up a lot of my time. But if you don't have small children, you probably have six hours a week you can spend, even if you do have small children. So I would recommend trying it without quitting your job. Because to be honest, Jared, when I had my job, I was fantasizing about owning an online business. I was doing, you know, I think a lot of people do this. You, you listen to podcasts, you read articles online, and then sometimes you just, you never take the jump. It's just a fantasy. In my case, I was kind of forced to take the jump, um, which worked out. Um, but I wouldn't recommend, I, I would say just take the jump. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to just, just try it out um, if you have some capital to do that. That's great. Um, That's great advice. Sorry, what was your question again? I got a little bit lost. Uh, it, was just, it was just based on as a business owner, uh, becoming a business owner, what are some of the things that you learned that you think are valuable for people that are coming to the space? But while you maybe mull over that and think about that, I want to talk to your point about the quitting um, and making the jump. Yeah, I agree with you. Don't quit. And this is what I say to most people that come to me. Uh, they say, Jared, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to buy a business. I'm like, cool, I'm, I'm not working with you. I don't want to work with you if you quit your job. Because then you're going to make a hasty decision because you're under pressure to earn an income and that'll cause you to possibly buy a bad business and it'll be a bad experience. Like you said, make the jump. When you have a job and you have an income stream, it's less of a risk. It's less of a jump. Right. <laughs> For you, Kyle, it was, a, it was a steeper and higher jump than, than what most people uh, should should take. If they had that fantasy like like you did and like I did for, you know, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. One thing, I guess one thing that I learned is that it feels good to control. So one of the ways that I paid for my business is I traded in a lot of stock that I, you know, from, uh, from my 401k, actually part of the, there was the CARES Act, which was part of the pandemic, which is you could actually cash in your 401k for a brief period without having to pay the penalty. Wow, so I, cool. I, I did that because um, I'm kind of um, I'm not big on the stock market because I don't control the stock market, um, which is one of the things it actually felt really good to take, even though maybe if I left it in the stock market, it, it would have done all right. You know, maybe a 10 percent return. But what return did I get buying my online business with that money? <laughs> Much bigger than that. Much and, bigger. And losses compound more than gains. So maybe at 10 percent on average, but in actual return, it would have been, you know, I don't want to get into all that. The point is, it, it felt good to take money from something that I didn't control, put it into something I did control, and then and then to see it work. It feel it just feels a lot better. E even if the stock market made me the same amount of money, it's it's a lot less satisfying because I have I had no control over that. 
So. That is juicy for people to to chew on, really. The the control aspect, and I've mentioned this in uh, webinars and, and other other pieces of content. But yeah, so glad that you mentioned that, Kyle, because that control aspect is when you buy a stock, you can't manufacture growth. So a lot of people think, oh, you can't control how the stock's going to perform, and that's a bad thing in case it goes backwards. But on the upside, you can't grow that stock anymore as well. It's not in your control to manipulate it to grow more or add value when you buy other assets like even real estate, physical property. But this online real estate, digital property, um, you can manufacture growth and that's a really good point. That's a really, really, really good point. Yes. So that would, I, um, that, that feels good to do that, to be able to have control over your, you know, more control than, than, than your employer gives you because they can fire you at any time <laughs> and more control than an investment like the stock market gives you because there's no investment I can do in my single stock to make it give me more per share than what it already gives. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, congratulations on what you have achieved. Uh, I know that you were forced into making a jump. You wanted to make an income after losing a job and you've done exceedingly well, swimmingly well and moving on to bigger and better things. So yeah, I'm sure everybody looks forward to hearing from you in a year's time with to see how your uh, your gene cutting, denim, denim cutting business goes. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. Thank you.